again, Alabama Politics This Week, uh, Josh Moon, and we're going to be a little different this week. Uh, David Person, uh, who normally co-hosts this thing with me, is is not here. Uh, he, We've had some technical issues. Uh, we could, we've tried our best to work these things out, and uh, finally, you know, after about an hour and a half of, of trying to deal with it, it just became obvious it was not going to work. And so what we're going to do instead is I have a new co-host uh, this week. Uh, and that, I'm just I'm kidding. Uh, as, uh, uh, actually joining me as a guest. So we're just going to have a guest segment today. I'm going to I'm going to handle the interview. And uh, and the guest is Representative Neil Rafferty, who I honestly could not think of a better person to have on. Uh, uh, to do this with, really, I could not, man. It's a, uh, it's, it's something. Uh, uh, I think it's a, it's a good thing to have you in. You're, you're a good talker, as they say in the business, and uh, you know, and you have a, a unique perspective that I think people need to hear more of. So, first of all, welcome in, and, and thank you for coming and joining us. Yeah, well, thank you for that very warm welcome. Um, yeah, man. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, you know, I guess. Uh, you know, with, with you, there is, um, uh, you know, there, there comes a certain expectation, I guess, that whenever, you know, somebody has you on or interviews you or whatever, that we're going to talk about LGBTQ issues. And, sure. um, and you know, I, I, I've often wondered, as I've seen the interviews that you do and stuff, you know, is that, I don't want to say burden, um, but... Uh, you know, is it is it a, is it a heavy weight to to always be the person that you know whenever there's an issue with, with you know a, a don't say gay bill or a transgender athletes bill or anything that that it's it falls to you to speak for for those communities. So I, I mean, I guess really it's a it's a it's a yes and no to answer mm-hmm. to that. And the reason why I say that is you know. I have my I have a district, District 54, just like all my other colleagues do have a very diverse uh, set of folks that they have to represent all those interests. But, you know, there's also then, you know, approximately, you know, anywhere between. I don't know what estimates are, but seven to 10 percent of the population identifies as LGBTQ. And then Mm -hmm. I feel like I it's part of my role as a representative to be able to humanize uh, that community and. You know, there's a, there's a saying, right? If you're not at the table, then you're probably on the menu. So this is where the representation part becomes part of the, you know, the, the power. So I'm in this these areas and in these spaces and people are, and I have these relationships and people are comfortable asking me questions that they might not be comfortable asking other folks about the community to clarify. And because they, I, I think that at the end of the day, there's, people want to understand they don't want to be hateful they don't want to be bigots i think there is room for them to uh where they want to understand and 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 kind of see what's happening there and i I wouldn't consider it a burden i would just consider it part of the process um and it's just one of the things that that i find myself obliged to do here because who else is going to do it? Yeah. At the yeah. same time, I do have, you know, the very diverse interest of my all the constituents in my district that I have to represent as well. Um, so the answer is yes and no. It, but regardless, it's an honor to do it. And it's an honor to be down here, obviously. Um, I want to make that absolutely clear. 
Um, and I'm happy, you know, that people do feel comfortable coming and asking me these questions and are able to uh, take note and understand. And I'm really uh, honored to have the privilege to be at these these tables and in these 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 rooms of power um, to be able to represent not just my district, but uh, multiple communities across the state of uh, Alabama. Do you feel like in, in having the, the conversations that you have with your colleagues, you know, specifically the Republicans uh, that the no, and and even more specific, the ones who bring some of these bills that we've talked about, there was a you know a transgender athlete bill uh, in college this year. There's been the, there was an attempt at one point to expand the don't say gay bill that we've had. Uh, but I think that has that has died. Do you feel like that those folks are also interested in hearing your perspective on things? And do you feel like you've been able to make any progress on that side of the aisle? Uh, yes, I do. Um, you know, I don't want to call, you know, name any of my colleagues by by name, but I do get multiple inquiries, you know, from folks just trying to who want to work and and. And when I explain that this will harm this community in this regard, you know, yeah. at least express sincere what I feel is sincere interest and in trying to um, to minimize or, or, or you know, not minimize, but to not do the harm that the bill might do that they don't really know that it might end up having or, or the unintended consequences, as we say all the time down here sure. of the bills that some sometimes they're passing. Um, but one interesting conversation I had, particularly in these don't say gay stuff, where we're talking about, uh, you know, gender identity and sexual orientation. <clears throat> and I think a very interesting thing is that is a human experience for uh, straight males and straight women as well. So it's not like discussions of gender identity and sexual orientation are exclusive to just the LGBTQ community. Right. right. So right. we wanted to talk about. Um, who was the first first lady of the United States? You're talking about gender identity and you're talking about sexual orientation. Right. Martha Washington is a woman. She was a straight woman who was married to George Washington. Right. right. So you're, you're still talking about sexual orientation and gender identity. And um, I, I think when you explain things in that regard, it kind of, you know, you, you sometimes you get, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> this uh, kind of whole understanding that you know it, it, the the sexual orientation gender identity are human uh experiences they're not just an lgbtq exclusive one it's just that the default is usually um you know a straight a, a straight man a straight cis man or woman and that's so they don't consider discussion of straight cis men and women to be a discussion of gender identity or sexual orientation when indeed it is. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it seems like um, it, it, the transgender issue specifically is, is such a, it's such an easy, I, I don't know the, the best terminology. It, it seems so easy of them to make this a, a scare tactic, you know, right. a, a scary issue because 
there are so few transgender people and most folks don't come in contact with a transgender person on a daily basis. And so you don't have, like, you know, I used the example of, I think a few weeks ago of uh, when we had the gay marriage debate. Well, you know, a lot of views shifted because a number of conservatives had family members uh, that, you know, came out as gay and they were like, well, I know from their experience, these people, you know, what, what that life is like. And you don't have that so much so with the transgender uh, issue. It, so do you see a pathway of, uh, of education and enlightenment in some way that could squash this and, and maybe help us save some of these kids who I know are being harmed by this legislation, this hateful stuff that's coming along? Yeah, so I think I think you're 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 exactly right. You know, Harvey Milk said it back in the back when he was the first openly gay elected official in the United States was uh, forgot what they call it in in San Francisco, but a city councilor equivalent in, in, in right. San Francisco. And he said that if every uh, gay man and woman came out of the closet, you would see a huge revolution uh, as far as the change of perspective and, you know, how people view LGBTQ folks. What we're right. seeing right now is, uh, you know, a twofold or um, a flanking attacks, if you will, by far right wing extremist groups who are targeting LGBTQ people by bringing, you know, by bringing up these harmful stereotypes that have been, you know, per, you know, persistent for for generations. Um, you know, the, the groomer talk and all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, and then also attacking a very small part of the LGBTQ community, uh, who is a fraction of a percent of the population, um, who has just found themselves in the crosshairs of this because, uh, of, cause it's, cause like you said, I mean, it's, it, it's easy. It's easy to exploit the, the kind of dearth of information about mm -hmm. what it is to be transgender and what it, and um and what that really means and entails um and that's where i think that the the community part of the lgbtq community as as a whole i mean i think that a lot of my uh cis um gay bisexual and lesbian brothers and sisters in this um community have an obligation to kind of stand up for our trans uh, brethren, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, because they are so small, even even if they did all come out at once. I mean, I don't think that we would see the kind of um, power that that would have in, say, just because there's so few of them. Right. Um, right. But I have but I do think that what's happened is that as we've gotten more open to the diversity of kind of human, ex, you know, the human experience and in, in our soul, society, that um, there's been a greater visibility on the trans community. Uh, right. I don't think the prevalence is any different. I think it's just a matter of visibility, but the perception to the public at large, what's been exploited is that it is, um, is that prevalence is growing, not visibility is growing. So then they kind of build this narrative that, you know, were, you know, any discussion of LGBTQ people existing period is a discussion that promotes or indoctrinates or anything, uh, you know, uh, along those lines. Yeah. Um, and that that's just not how being LGBTQ works. I mean, it, right. it doesn't work like that. Like it's not, it's not, it's not a choice. Um, and, you know, if somebody is insisting that it's some sort of choice or something that's kind of put you know uh, upon us or indoctrinated into us then um i would 
Well, I mean, there's a joke. There's a, there, there, there is an old joke that like, if you think it's a choice, then you probably made a choice at some point. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> a choice right. to either keep it down and repress it or a choice to, uh, you know, right. uh, li live your, your, your authentic self. So, um, but at the end of the day, you know, just because LGBTQ people exist does not mean that I'm going to be, you know, I'm, I'm very respectful of other people's religious beliefs. I'm not here to ask anybody to subscribe to anything. Um, you know, I, I pretty much say that pretty much all we really want in this state is to be left alone, work, raise our families, and, um, and you know, build our lives yeah. here, just like yeah. everyone else. Um, yeah, you know, the, the one thing that I hear the most complaints from from people and for, and this is, you know, people that vote for Republicans, people that vote from Democrats is uh, that, you know, we get so tired of these these nonsense bills. It's this pandering of things that, that don't make any difference to anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and you hear it so often that you start to think, well, then why are these things so effective? Uh, you know, why why are they still being used? Why? Because, you know, they, they have to have some effect. And the only the only theory I have is that it, it all goes back to the gerrymandering in this state where mm -hmm. we have gerrymandered things to the point where a tiny fraction of people determine elections, especially mm -hmm. on the Republican side of things. And if you can antagonize that base to the point where they're scared to death of this or that happening, or your children are going to be indoctrinated, uh, which is a really fun phrase for the folks that are funding, you know, studies in non ESG uh, stuff down at Troy. Uh, but um, you know, it, that you that becomes effective. I wonder if you agree with that, and if so, what what can be done? Uh, you know, is there any chance that we could ever convince the people of this state to get behind an effort to depoliticize uh, the 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 assigning of districts, the drawing of district maps? I would love to see an independent commission draw it up. You know what we? I mean, I, I think you're 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 absolutely right. The gerrymandering has made parts of this, you know, district so blood red or so deep blue that there's really no, um, there's no middle ground. And I mean, that just contributes to the polarization that we're seeing across the whole country. Um, and I think that Alabama is no exception to that. In fact, I think probably part of the polarization that we're seeing in the, in the country narrative is because of the gerrymandering of states throughout the whole country. Um, it's this isn't uh, unique to Alabama. This is certainly right. something happening elsewhere. Uh, you'll see statewide uh, statewide um, <clears throat> uh, candidates, senators who are of one party, but then their state houses are completely of another party. And that's <laughs> got to be done by design in that in, in that case, in that situation. Um, so what the way to kind of move forward with that now, and, and I'll be totally frankly honest, and this might tick some people off um, might be to look at, uh, you know, ranked choice voting and what and what that could do and what that could, you know, what that could bring to the table as far as, um, you know, everyone's vote always counting. But we could also look at is I think the more immediate thing that is way more possible to get done would be to establish independent commissions um, that would write, you know, draw these lines and base it on communities of interest. Mm -hmm. um for instance you know it, for instance you know you want want to divide a small town up into four different districts 
uh, because now that town does not have the kind of representation uh, that they would normally that they that they should have at the state level, particularly in a state where we don't have home rule and mm -hmm. so much dependent upon what a, a municipality and a county can do is based upon what happens in the state legislature. Now, I understand the counter, counter argument to that, like, well, if you have four representatives representing that one that one that one town, then you might have more of a, of a cause. But um, I think that it, when you're dividing up communities of interest, um, you're making not only being a representative harder or more difficult, um, but you're not giving the, the, the citizens of the state, uh, you know, a fair voice. Um, yeah. The, the voice that they that they deserve so yeah no i i, I agree completely uh you know and, and i've always thought that the independent commission uh there that you know that you would have to show you know what how, you, how you're going to go about it there'd be a clear and concise set of parameters on how you're going to draw up voting districts you're going to use these these stats that everybody agrees on from both sides of the aisle uh you know here's the stats this is what we're going to do this is fair for everybody we're going to draw these things up and we'll let the chips fall where they may you want to vote in republicans you vote in republicans you want to vote in democrats you do the same but no matter what once they get in there those folks aren't so beholden to a small group of people because they know that they're not going to face any challenge from you know the other side of the aisle ever and that that just seems to me to be what what's driving this whole and no and and i would say that if it were democrats as well you know it, i would probably agree with them a lot more than what you know what we're doing in this state but still yeah. uh, i would i would say the same thing it's, it's just not good for democracy to have a one-party rule state yeah it's not um you know let's let i mean even look at terry sewell's congressional district i mean the big horseshoe going through uh, you know, encompassing, you know, three major metropolitan areas or the three of the the big five, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, the most rural part of the state at the same time. Uh, I mean, that is just something something else. I mean, to try to represent all those interests at once in Congress. Now, it's a little bit different because it is Congress. But I mean, that's just a really great example of how gerrymandering even affects um our representation on the congressional level. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, and, and what 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 I'll tell people is you know to to show you how absurd it is is if you just carve out one little part of Montgomery County there, it it doesn't harm Terry Sewell at all. I mean, she's still going to win. Oh yeah, and it greatly affects District Two uh, that is you know now Barry Moore, but was once represented by a Democrat. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and it becomes much more of a purple district, even if it remains a Republican. It's much more of a purple district if you just put that little section of Montgomery back into that. Right. Uh, but uh, it's, you know, it's it's a uh, I don't know. And, you know, I of course, you, you then have to you have to convince the winners of all the elections to do things differently. And that's tough to do. You know, it's it's tough to tough to do that. Before we get you out of here, I wanted to talk about uh, just a couple of things and see where you think things stand. Uh, one is the grocery tax bill. Uh, you know, it, it seems to me we've put the oh, man, it's just such a complicated issue. And we're just going to run out of time on this thing uh, kind of stamp on that. So I wanted to, sit, to see what you thought about the, whether or not that that has a chance to pass. Well, it has an enormous amount of support. Uh, you know, the, the the lieutenant governor had a post where the, the bill, the green jacket, as we will, the, the one the, the bill for the House had, a, I think, 101 signatures on it out of 105. Um, it's uh, something that I think the whole state has been wanting, and particularly as we've seen inflation and 
uh, you know, the cost of living kind of increases, you know, the real kitchen table issues, if you will, um, pardon the, the, the cliche, but mm-hmm. um, the, those real kitchen table issues, you know, this is something that people, people want and it affects people's everyday lives. So <clears throat> I hope that it goes through and that it works and that, and that, it, that it happens. Um, if it doesn't, I would be a little shocked. You're right. We are getting pretty close to, to the end, but um there's still time. So still time. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then the other thing is uh, school choice uh, bills, you know, they've gotten a lot of attention, uh, a lot of ink, uh, but uh, I, it doesn't seem like uh, there is the will at this, in this particular session uh, to pass those the major school choice bills where we're jerking away million hundreds of millions of dollars uh, from the ETF to hand out. Uh, but uh, one, do you, do you feel like that that's true? And then two, where do you think this leaves us for future sessions? Uh, I do think you are correct um, as far as what's going to happen with those big those big uh, school choice bills, um, particularly the ones that are in the Senate. I don't think they've moved much at all. Um, and where I mean, I think we'll see it keep, you know, keep coming and keep popping yeah. up. But uh, at the end of the time, you know, I think we're it, it, it doesn't have to be this or that. I think we need to look at how we fund schools, period, at, you know, at the foundation program level and how we you know use teacher units as opposed to equity as a measure for how we divvy up those state funds to particular school districts. Right. Um, and I think that. What I don't want to do, what I try to prevent is getting us distracted where it's either school choice or it's this. It it, it, it be another way of performing how we fund schools that can be equitable and adequate. Um, And I just don't think that conversation is happening right now because it's so focused on these really hyper partisan issues of of charter schools um, and and, uh, and traditional public schools. So. Yeah, it, it seems, you know, just outside looking in, it seems a little counterproductive to take a school that is struggling, that you're labeling as failing, and to punish that school by taking away resources. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, it, exactly. it doesn't seem like the best way to correct things. Uh, but, you know, who am I? You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, we, I appreciate you coming on. I, you know what, what? One last thing before we get you out here. Hey, we're winding down this session. When you When you take it as a whole... Uh, you know, is do you, do you feel like it was a good session or do you feel like it's another one of these sessions where you walk out going, it could have been worse? Uh, you know, it could have been worse. We killed a lot of things. We stood in the way of a lot of bad things. Uh, so what, what, what do you think? Well, as a Democrat, I always leave saying it could have been worse. <laughs> so there's no there's no uh, doubt about that. That's why I'm laughing. I'm almost crying laughing about that one because it's just, there's just no getting out of session where where you're like uh, it, it. There's no way that could, you know, it's always it could have been worse. Yeah, yeah. It, it always is. At this point, you know, I think going into this session was was interesting. You know, we had a lot of folk, we had a lot of turnover, a lot of top leadership turnover, a lot of folks moved up to the Senate, a lot of new senators. So we had a lot of new House members and we had a brand new leadership structure. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was all kind of sitting back, kind of wondering, like, what's this going to look like and how is this going to, how is this going to work? Um yeah. And uh, 
And as you know, with anything, you you get used to the the, the new rules, the new the new um, the new leadership, and and the new and and how to operate within it. You got to be uh, you have to be uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? You have to be um, nimble. You have to be. Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah, flexible. To, flexible. You have to bend. Man. Yeah. what I'm looking for because you know there's, there's something, and you gotta, you know, as the old serenity prayer goes, you gotta accept the things you can. You know, you cannot change and change things you can. So, yeah. um, and that's 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 been a big learning experience for me down here in the legislature over the past five years as well. But, um, well, listen, man. Uh, uh, we appreciate you coming on and 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 the work that you do uh, there. I know it, you know I I know that you wouldn't call it a burden, uh, but I know it is a heavy weight at times uh, to to kind of carry that uh, that distinction. And you got folks calling every single time something crazy, some crazy bill comes up, and you've got to defend the you know the entire communities around and stuff. But uh, we I, we appreciate you you doing that. It's meaningful for a lot of people, and 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 the work that you're doing matters a lot to a lot of people out there. So. Uh, so we we thank you for that and and for coming on and spending uh, you know a good amount of time and basically being the co-host for for the show today. That was, uh, yeah, it was right. really really great. So uh, quite a pleasure, absolutely. Um, anytime, Josh. All right, thank you. That is uh, that is Representative Neil Rafferty. Uh, he's really he's he's great. And uh, and I'll come back in uh, in just a second and we'll we'll wrap this thing up. It's Alabama politics this week. Back in a minute. If y'all would do us a favor and uh, go, to, if you're on Apple Podcasts, go and rate and review our little podcast here. Uh, that would be very, very helpful for us. Uh, you know, people might pay us to do this. Uh, you never know. Yeah, but yeah, but let's not stop at Apple. Also, uh, you can do the same thing on Google Play, Amazon, yeah. and some of the more Android-friendly, uh, you know, platforms uh, as well. I forget that David's an Android guy. I am. <laughs> Me, I'm a conformist. And so, you know, go to Apple. But seriously, wherever you go, just do it. Just, just go and, and rate and review, and, and that would be very nice. Unless you're going to leave a bad one. Don't do, don't do that. Just don't, don't, like that. don't leave a bad one. Thank you. All righty. Welcome back. Alabama Politics This Week. Josh Moon. With no David person still, uh, but uh, you know David uh, had some had some technical issues. If you uh, joined us, uh, or if you somehow or another skipped over that at the beginning of this thing, uh, but uh, not that you could actually join us late. Uh, I don't know how you would he would do that. It's a old radio habit. Uh, anyway, so we're I'm, we're going to wrap this thing up now. We will do a uh, I'll do a, a, a right wing note of the week, and we're going to name uh, uh, Florida Republicans who have made it so easy. Uh, now to ban books or anything that uh, you know white supremacists and white nationalists feel uh, bothers them in the least. Uh, the latest of which is a poem by Amanda Gorman, who uh, spoke at the uh, Biden inauguration, and uh, they banned her poem from uh, from schools from a school district over the complaint of a single parent, uh, the single parent of which who uh, apparently is a white nationalist. And, you know, it's uh, she had a, a very interesting tweet where she you know compared it to the fact that we cannot uh, somehow millions of parents getting together can't ban you know firearms uh, or put any restrictions whatsoever to make that those safer uh, for our children who are the number one killer of children. 
but somehow or another, one parent can get uh, poetry banned from an entire school system. So that's uh, your right wing nut for the week. And that's going to do it for us. Uh, until next week, y'all be safe out there.